Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is June 7th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is Trinity. Now that almost sounds a little bizarre. We've been given all these words for the year, and this one's Trinity? Is that even in the Bible? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Trinity, the Godhead, and questions for us to look at today in an examination of this is how can we understand God? How can we explain who God is? And you see, mystery is a part of human existence. There will always be things we just can't figure out. At some point, all of us are going to wrestle with concepts of who God is. See, deep down, many of us believe that if God can just be explained to us, that somehow that makes him more real. And yet, That's not true. I have found that most people that demand explanations only feel more empty with the more explanations they get. And that's because the only way we can truly know about God is to the extent that God himself reveals to us. In other words, God is so much beyond us The idea of us figuring it out without God telling us is sort of ridiculous. It's like an amoeba trying to figure out the human race. That little amoeba will never be able to figure out a human being and how we think and tick, let alone what we are. It's beyond that little one-celled creature. Likewise to us, there's no way we can just figure out God and It's a spiral that as we try to figure it out, we just become more and more frustrated because God is not something to be figured out. He is someone who reveals himself to us. He tells us about himself. And from that, we, of course, like to explain and extrapolate and talk about and discuss and theorize and analyze and, and everything else we can because it's in our nature to try to explain. But in the end, we can only know what he tells us about himself. And that's what brings me to the word Trinity today. It's a human word that we use to try to explain and understand what God has revealed of himself. 
What has God revealed? Well, he's revealed that he is a father, he's son, and he's Holy Spirit. One being. There's just one God, one being. And yet, there's three persons, a plurality, to God. Now, this is a difficult task to assume because I'm only using the lectionary reading scriptures for these. So, with my word Trinity, there are so many scriptures that I would prefer to use to talk about this, but I am, I am, I'm bound by this to only use lectionary readings. And so today we're going to be using lectionary readings to talk about the Trinity. So today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 31. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the, all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food, and so it was. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So evening and morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord had made the earth and the heavens. And I want to make a correction. That's Genesis 1, verse 26 through chapter 2, verse 4. I just covered the verses in chapter 1 in the beginning. My mistake. Genesis 1, 26 through chapter 2, verse 4. Now, as we read those, Let's begin to look at some things in here. How do we get Trinity out of that? How do we know? Well, again, we're talking about what is it that God has revealed to us about himself. And obviously, when we look at a creation account, um, we can see that, wow, God, he's creator of everything. What does that mean? Well, he it means if he created everything, he, he must be all-powerful because he makes everything. He's He has the power to make everything. Uh, he also has the knowledge. He, he must be all-knowing. He knows how to make everything. And we can gloss over that, but in that all-knowing and making everything, he, he, he knows all the fine details, all the DNA, how organisms and, and plants and, and all those fine, intricate things works. He, he, he put the laws of physics together, how balls and fly through the air and gravity works and, 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 and winds and frequencies. And I mean, you just, it just goes on and on and on. And he not only understands this and how to do it, but he also has the power to create it and do it. So that's what we can see about how, who God is from this revelation. But also in this, it's interesting because God says, let us make man in, in our image. 
And there's something really spectacular to this. And I've already mentioned it in the beginning of the intro. But when he says, let us make, see, there's a Hebrew word there because this is written in, originally in Hebrew and it's translated into English that I'm speaking. Um, but that, that Hebrew word, Elohim, is, is a plural noun. God's saying, you know, let us, and it's, it's plural. And yet the verbs are singular. And you only ever see this happen in the Bible when speaking in the context of God himself. It never happens when we're referring to other idol entities that wish to be God. Um, we never see that. It's always a singular noun, singular verb. Or if we're talking about multiple entities that want to be worshipped like gods, and they're plural, those would be plural, and their verbs would be plural. But here, when it's talking about Jehovah God, he as the noun is plural, and yet the verbs that go with him is singular. If the singular verb denotes it's just one being. Yet the plurality of nouns represents that there's something bigger about him that's not singular. It's also interesting to note that every pronoun that is associated with the Lord is also in the plural. Yet the pronoun that attaches to anything else is the, the attachment is always singular, like the verb. So this is a revelation about God. That's why when we look at the Trinity, we say it's one, he's one being, yet there's a plurality to him because he's revealed that to us. Let's look at another scripture from the lectionary. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 36. It reads, Men of Israel... Hear these words. And by the way, for context, this is Stephen speaking. So Stephen speaks as men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it's not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, as I had to stop, this is this is Stephen, and this is right before he became the first martyr. The Jews killed him for this speech. But he's speaking, and he's attesting, and we're seeing God reveal something about himself here in this testimony. And now, when we, we get in this, notice that he gets up and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God. What does it mean? What does attested mean? Well, I looked up a dictionary. It means proved, supported by testimony, witnessed, supported by evidence. So Jesus was proved, supported by testimony. He was witnessed. He was supported by evidence by God. God proved Jesus. God supported Jesus as he was his testimony. God was his witness. God supported him with evidence. So that's what God is revealing to us about Jesus and himself. It's also interesting that as God is witnessing, God is revealing himself to us, and we see this in Genesis, and he's revealing us to his, his, in his word. And yet in this story, we see Stephen, a man, being a witness to what God has revealed to him. We'll hold that thought and get to that later. But we see here that in this revelation that Jesus cannot be held by death because it's not possible for him to be held by death. It's not possible. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Life cannot be held by death. It's not possible. It's like the dark containing light. You can't. There's no amount of darkness that you can turn off darkness and for the light to suddenly not be visible. Even a little candle dispels darkness. Same way with Jesus. He is life. He cannot be contained by death. And because of this, God raised him. Then he gets into, the Lord is at the right hand. Now again, there are many cultic groups that deny the divinity of Jesus, that they want to think he's just a created angel or a created being. He's he's less than God. He's less than the Father. And they might use this as an example. Well, he's at the right hand. And, and so, but you miss the cultural context because to be at the right hand means to be equal to. Now, I know that's not what we would think of maybe today, but we can't use today's understanding in words that were written 2,000 years ago. We have to use, what does that mean then? See, we have a little saying today, like if, 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 if you were, especially a musician or actors or something, these little things, well, you know, go break a leg. Well, we're not telling a person break an actual leg. We're telling them good luck. Have a good performance. And it's the same way in understanding. That's that's an idiomatic expression. You have to understand what the expression is. Another idiomatic expression may be, it's raining cats and dogs. We don't mean that animals are falling from the sky. We mean it's just raining hard. To be at the right hand is to be of equality with someone. Jesus is at the right hand. In other words, he's, he is beside and equal to God. 
It goes on further, and Stephen quotes from the Old Testament, uh, a thing that David had prophesied, and says, uh, he says that the Lord says to my Lord. And this is really powerful because you begin looking this up, and it's in the Hebrew, and it's Jehovah says to Adonai. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got Jehovah God, which is the I am that I am. That's what that is in Hebrew, Jehovah's I am that I am in Hebrew. And he's saying to Adonai, and that's another name for, for God. We translate that as Lord. But it means, Adonai truly means master or sovereign. Yes, it means Lord, but it means Lord as in context of master or sovereign. So you have the I am that I am saying to the master and sovereign. Well, there is no sovereign or, or master of God. That's what makes him God. And this one gets into God and his plurality. This is the father speaking to the son. And it's showing the equality that the son has with the father. That they are equal. They are the same. And then it ends with it saying that God made Jesus both Lord and Christ. And again, Lord, here's Adonai. He made him the sovereign. He made him the master. This is, this is God revealing to us that Jesus Christ, the son, is equal and on par with him. But he's also Christ. And Christ is the Messiah. It means anoint, Christ means anointed one. But in the Hebrew, it's the word for Messiah. And in the context of the Jews, they believe the Messiah was a man. Just a man. But here is this thing, this revelation going, no, the Messiah is Lord. The Messiah is God. Let's read on to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is our last electionary passage, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. So here we have Jesus, and he says, All authority has been given to me. You know, I like to, I like to share, when you, you understand authority, this is, the, this is the crazy thing. You cannot have authority if you don't have someone that is supreme and someone who is uh, submissive. You have to have a boss and, and, and someone that follows the boss. You, you, if you don't have this order, there is no authority. And the scripture says God is a God of order. And so in God being one, how can God have authority if he doesn't have this type of order? And see, that's interesting. God is one, yet within God's oneness, in his plurality, even though the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are equal, He has created an order within Himself. The Son is subject to the Father. The Spirit is subject to the Son. And He's done this. Even though 
the Father, Son, and the Spirit are equal and is one being, there's an order in, in, in who he is that creates authority because he is authority. And because he is authority, he can, we ourselves can understand and operate with authority. He gives that there. And Jesus, one, claims, I am authority. All authority is given to me. And we say that the Father has given the Son all authority. But we also see that when he says baptizing them, baptize, make disciples and baptize. What does baptize mean? See, in our definitions today, we think, well, baptism means someone goes to a church and they, they, they dunk you in water or they sprinkle water on you. It's this, it's this sacramental element of water in a church. That may be today, but 2000 years ago, what did baptized mean? What does it mean to be baptized? Well, it means immersed, cleansed, named or termed with, admitted with, called to. So here we say baptize them into the name. God is saying immerse them. Have them termed with or admitted to or called to the name. In other words, this idea of baptize is where we are, we are, we are brought into admission to equality and unified with someone or something. In other words, we're being told that we are to be immersed, admitted, termed with equality with God. Now, this is crazy. We are not gods. Understand what I say when I say equality. The, the scripture says that we as Christians, that we are now joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ. The way I like to understand, I mean, the devil was thrown out of heaven because he wanted a seat on the throne. He wanted to sit on the throne with God. He wanted to be equal. And God said no and threw him out. But for you and I, he looked down to us in sin, and Jesus loved us so much that he came and he paid for our sin, and now he's offering us a spot on his throne. Now, we will never be God. We will not be gods. That is something that maybe some cults out there want to get into. I guess the best image I could see is, and you don't see this much anymore, but I can remember growing up, and, and, and my dad would have to have a truck and, and we'd, he'd drive, he would take me, he'd set me in his lap and he let me drive the truck. I could put my hands on the steering wheel and I was like, Oh, I'm driving this truck when I was, I was, I was a little boy, but I wasn't really driving the truck. He was driving the truck. I was sitting in his lap. I thought I was. I thought he was letting me do this, but he was in full control, but he had joy in watching me do this and, and having this experience with him. And you know what? His father did that with him. And I know many other men that had that experience. Now, I don't today. They, they've got laws making that illegal. And you got to put the baby in the baby seat, strapped in in the back seat, backwards in the seat, all this stuff. But when I grew up in the early 70s like that, that was not the case. And... It's a great example because when God makes his co-heirs, when he's offering us a place on the throne, no, we will never be God, but he's taking us like a little child and he's going to set us in the lap and then he is going to steer the universe through us. He wants us to, he has that joy of that father having that interaction with a child and he wants us to have that with him. And that's what this baptism is, is that he wants us to be there. Jesus said, I am the father of one. And then he says, 
And, and, and I think that he wants you, he wants us to be one with him the way he is with the Father. He wants this type of unity and oneness. Not that we will be gods. No, we're not going to be gods. But he's offering to share something with us that is really beyond us. And he's doing it out of his love for us. And this is a great revelation of who God is. Even in this plurality of Trinity, it brings us to the fact that he loves us and he wants us to be one with him. So what has God revealed to us in this passage? What have we seen here? Well, creation, he's all-powerful. That There's a plurality to him. That he witnesses to us about himself. And here we see that Jesus in that authority, we've been called to witness and reveal him, we to reveal God to others as he's revealed himself to us. And that's why I think Trinity is such a neat word because in a sense, yeah, it's a human word, but it reveals something of the heart of God to us. It also represents what we should be seeking to reveal to others. Who is God? How has he revealed himself to us? And what does that mean for us? What does it mean for them? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, God, that you have revealed yourself to us, God. That we don't know everything, God. We don't know everything about you, Lord. But Lord, you've offered to walk with us, to be one with us, to teach us, to guide us. And as we do this, we learn a little more about you and a little more about you. And you change us, God. And we thank you for that, God. Lord, I pray today that you reveal some of yourself to those who have listened, God, that your your love and your being, God, that you would speak to them, God, that you would begin to show them a little bit more about who you are and that you would help them in this life, God. God, we praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you for listening to this podcast today. You can hear other podcasts on our website at www.christianimpact.net. We are on many different uh, platforms, whether it's Podbean, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon. Please feel free to check one out that best works for you. And until next time, God bless. Yeah.